Good morning, everybody. As he said, I'm Luke, and we are going to continue our series through the book of Matthew. If you've been around for a while, you've known that for the last year or so, we've been just going verse by verse through the book of Matthew and pause a few times for little, um, you know, mini topical series. But for the most part, just been growing straight through. And I just want to say before I even jump in that I think it's really good that we as a body take time to go through an entire book of the Bible together. I'm not against, I'm not against topical sermon series. Those are great to do, and we'll do, we're, we're going to do more. You know, we'll do them again someday. But the problem with only doing message series that are topical is that then all of our biases and everything that we're excited to talk about as speakers gets talked about, and the stuff that we're not as passionate about doesn't get talked about. But when you go straight through a book of the Bible, it's like, we're going to talk about everything. You know, whatever the New Testament authors wanted to say, that's what we're going to be talking about. And we get a much more comprehensive pre presentation of the word that way. So we're continuing through Matthew, but we actually are kind of moving into a mini-series in the Matthew series, okay? So we got the Matthew series, and then we got a sub-series that we're starting today that's going to continue to go through Matthew, the end of Matthew 9 and into Matthew 10, but it's going to be a um, focused five or six messages. And, and so this mini-series is called The King's Mission for Every Christian. And The King's Mission for Every Christian is what I'm going to be talking about this morning, and and it's going to be the title of that, you know, that mini-series within the book of Matthew that we do for however long we do. So I'm going to kick things off and pray. And the title of my message today is actually the title of the mini-series, The King's Mission for Every Christian. Jesus, we welcome your presence to be here in the presentation of your word. I ask, Lord, I thank you, Lord, for all the people who received the encouragement that they needed earlier. And I ask that you would continue to encourage our hearts. I also ask, and do me a favor, um, uh, put your hand on your heart with me. I also ask, Jesus, that you would challenge us this morning. I want you all to say, I, Lord, I receive your challenge this morning. I receive your challenge this morning. We receive how you want to challenge us this morning. And I thank you, Jesus, that whenever you challenge us, it's always out of love and compassion and kindness. It's never out of harshness or cruelty or anger, but that you challenge us in kindness to grow us into the fullness of what you've called us to be and the fullness of who you made us to be. So we receive your challenge this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Title of my message again is The King's Mission for Every Christian. So obviously we're going to be talking about the mission of Jesus and how it relates to us as a body and as individuals. Now, the mission of Jesus can be, a, can be an uncomfortable thing for us for various reasons. It is for me. One of them is pretty exemplified by an experience I had a few weeks ago, or a few days ago. So I walked into Kroger and was just going to do some grocery shopping, and there was a Spectrum employee who was um, stopping people and talking to them, and so I'm like, 
oh, I don't feel like talking to this guy right now. And I try to like veer away, but then he looks at me and says, hey, dude, really cool shoes, man. I love your shoes. And I'm like, oh, thanks, man. He's like, hey, come on over here for a second. And so I'm, all right. So I come over and, and, and he's, uh, you know, he starts making a pitch to me about, you know, different Wi-Fi plan and different rate. And I'm kind of just like, I'm really, I, actually, I actually was genuinely in a hurry. Yeah, for, I forget exactly why, but I was genuinely in a hurry. And so I'm like trying to inch my way away, trying to break away, and he's not really letting me. And, and so eventually I'm just like, hey, man, um, no offense at all, but I, I'm in a hurry right now, and I really just need to get going. And he was like, okay, don't worry. This won't take too long. <laughs> and I am, you know, a little ashamed to admit that I felt, I, you know, basically I didn't, what I did didn't seem too angry or harsh, but I just looked at him and I was like, okay, thanks, man, and just walked away. <laughs> and it definitely came out of a place of frustration and annoyance, and I felt bad because I had to walk by him a few times later, and <sighs> I didn't even do anything that wrong, but you know, I want to be kind. I want, to, I want people to, I want the kindness of Jesus to exude out of me wherever I go, right? So, so I tell that story because I think we all know that when it comes to evangelism, sharing our faith, the mission of Jesus, whatever we want to call it, we don't want to be like that pushy salesman. We don't want to be like that person trying to, you know, convince and manipulate and, and just get a person to do something, you know, all kind of motivated by fake, or, or all in the appearance of like fake niceties. We want to, we don't want to be like that used car salesman. And so where that typically leads us is to an attitude, something like this. Because I don't want to be a pushy salesman, if someone comes to me and asks for prayer, or if someone comes to me and asks to hear about my faith, then I'll share with them. You know, I don't want to, like, force myself on anyone. I don't want to be this annoying used car. I don't want to give Jesus a bad name, whatever we say. So I'm just going to kind of live my life with Jesus, and if people come to me, then I will share. And if you know me, you know that I like memes. And there's a great meme for this that I've seen before where the content of the meme says, me living my life for Jesus and waiting for people to come ask me about it, and then it's a skeleton sitting at a computer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and not to say that, that never happens, but I mean, how many times has someone come up to you who did not know Jesus and said, hey, I've really witnessed your life and there seems like something is different about you. Can you tell me how you live so that I can live that way too? Maybe once, maybe twice, maybe never for some of us. And so the problem of, that, I get, that I'm getting at, of course, then, is a practical one. I don't think the kind of passive approach of I'm just going to live my life for Jesus and let them come to me is really going to work or working well. In fact, I, I think this quote from Mike Breen is pretty fitting for this topic we're talking about. Mike Breen said, The fishermen never expected the fish to jump into their nets. Wouldn't that just be amazing? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if lost people just jumped into the church, jumped into the groups that we have, jumped into the classes we have? 
The fishermen never expected the fish to jump into their nets. If we simply stay in our safe zones, our church, our small group, our Christian subculture, we will not be where the lost are. We have to leave our comfortable settings and get out where there are people who do not yet know that God loves them so much he cannot stop thinking about them. So the first problem is practical. The first problem with kind of taking a passive approach is real practical. We're just not going to be around lost people. But secondly, and perhaps more importantly, we are called as apprentices of Jesus to imitate Jesus in everything that he does and did. And he did evangelism. So right there, we, if we really want to imitate him, we kind of can't get out of it. In fact, just to review, if uh, you're not familiar with the term apprentice of Jesus, this is kind of referring on a past message we did. Can we throw out that apprentice of Jesus triangle? So apprenticeship to Jesus is why we're all here. And the three components of being an apprentice to Jesus is to be with him, to become like him, and to do what Jesus did. Everyone say, do what Jesus did. Now, when we do the passive, comfortable church thing, where we get in his presence and we worship and we spend time praying with other believers and we have encounters, or you know, if you're a Baptist, you have a good potluck and a great Bible study, whatever it might be, and, and, and we're becoming like him, you know, we're growing, we're, we're becoming more humble, we're becoming more wise, we're becoming more this and that. When we, when we only focus on those two aspects of apprenticeship to Jesus and we leave off to do what he did, we get a dysfunctional form of apprenticeship, apprenticeship to Jesus. Can we throw that next slide up? So we become a missionless apprentice to Jesus that truly is idolizing the church and idolizing our comfortable, safe church experience and community. So if we want to truly be apprentices to Jesus, we have to do what Jesus did. And if we're going to do what Jesus did, we have to be involved in the mission of Jesus, aka the E word that we all hate, evangelism. (laughs) Not all of us, but. So I think the title of this message and the title of this series we're going into, Christ's mission for every Christian, is really important. Like, this is Christ's mission for every single one of us. It's not just like, well, my church is really good at leading people to Christ. You know, the pastors are really good at doing evangelism. They can always share a story. The body of Christ was never meant to be professional Christians elevated above everyone else doing all the ministry. That is not the vision Jesus had for his body. The vision he had for his body is that this is not the church up here. It's not like we're the church and you're the, receive, you know, you're the consumers. We are the church. So, you know, we have the mission. All of us. My hope, though, is to talk about the mission of Jesus in a way that really relieves you of that used car salesman fear. Because Christians have tried to do evangelism in that way. It's just undeniable where... It feels just icky, and it feels like um, so inauthentic and unnatural. And I think what the devil tries to do is get us to think, if you're going to do evangelism, it's either going to be like that, 
or it's going to be the super passive approach and there's nothing in between. But I'm here to tell you this morning, the scriptures are here to tell you, there is definitely something in between. We can be kind, normal, human, non-salesman-y. Not, and by the way, I love salesmen. If you're in sales in here, this is not, this is not an insult on you whatsoever. Um, it's just that one salesman, you know, that I, <laughs> which I'm sure you're not like that at all. So, okay, I lost my train of thought, but you knew where I was going. All right, so with all of that said, let's go ahead and read our text for, for the morning. We're in Matthew 9. We're going to do 35 through 38. Here's what Matthew says. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them, because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. So we're going to break down the key takeaways from this passage. First, I'm going to briefly share two of the points in this section here from Jesus about how to like prepare to be a part of his mission, or how to like get our hearts right, or how to have the proper perspective. And then we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about how to engage in that mission itself. So to kick things off, let's, let's take a deeper look at the, um, at the last verse, actually, in that section. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few, therefore Plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest. A lot, of, a lot of other translations say, ask the Lord or pray to the Lord. And, and I think that prayer really is the idea here. And so the first point I want to draw out of this section of scripture is the mission you've been given is fueled by prayer. You know, I get not wanting to like cold call preach the gospel to a complete stranger. That makes sense to me. I am not gonna excuse you completely from that because the Holy Spirit will probably call you to do that at some point in your life. So I'm not gonna, but I, I get it. I get how uncomfortable that is. It's understandable. But what I don't find understandable, and I, I shouldn't speak condemningly toward you, I'll speak to myself. What I don't find understandable about my own heart and mind is when I don't even pray for the lost person. Like, I don't even care enough to pray for them. I, sorry, pray for them, like, on my own. Like, intercede for them in, at my house. You know, I, I don't even think about lost people except for when, you know, they're annoying me or, or some political pundit is getting me to be enraged at them. Like, that's the only time I think about them. Other than that, I don't even think about them. I think really, like, for anyone in the room who you would say that you haven't really begun to engage with the mission of Jesus yet, step one is prayer. Just start praying for lost people, both ones that you know and ones that you don't know. Secondly, what the disciples didn't know about this command, like Jesus was telling his disciples, hey, pray that God will send laborers out into the harvest. And of course, the harvest here is the harvest of lost people. It's bringing lost people into restore, restoration 
and relationship with God. So Jesus is saying, hey, pray. He's not saying do it. He's saying pray for God to send someone. What they don't know, and the kind of sneaky thing about Jesus here, is that five verses later, they're being sent out into the harvest. <laughs> so they're actually, they're actually the answer to their own prayer, and they don't even know it. And what I want to tell you is expect that to happen. <laughs> expect, once you start praying for the lost, expect God to open up Amen. opportunities for you Amen. to witness and minister to the lost. So prayer is a great first step. Second thing I want to pull out of this comes out of, I believe it's verse 37. So I'm going to read that one again. Seeing the crowds, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. The mission you've been given requires, I think that's a strong enough word, um, an appropriate word I should say, requires a cultivation of biblical compassion. We've got to harness the compassion of God if we want to be effective in his mission. Now, this whole idea of the sheep being distressed and harassed or uh, distressed and downcast, depending upon whatever your translation is, this is actually Jesus drawing on an idea from Ezekiel chapter 34, you can go read it later. I, I, we're not going to read all of Ezekiel 34, but basically what was happening in Ezekiel 34 is Israel was the lost and distressed and downcast sheep. And the reason that they were you know, harassed and helpless, as Ezekiel put it, was because of a failure of their human shepherds. And so Ezekiel 34 is actually kind of like a condemnation of the failure of the human leaders that God had put over Israel to tend to the flock that was Israel. And what that tells me, especially the fact that Jesus was bringing that idea into the New Testament, is that the harassed and distressed sheep of today are our problem. Lost people are our problem. They're not, and again, they're not the professional Christian's problem. They're not the pastor's problem. Lost people are our problem of, as, a, as, a, as the body of Christ. And so we can't view it as someone else's problem. It's our problem. And the starting place then is compassion. And really, we could fall into being like the shepherds that failed to tend to the lost sheep and left them harassed and helpless. Like, that is an actual threat for us. And so let's not do that. Second thing about compassion that I want to say, there's a big difference between compassion today and biblical compassion. Amen. So let me quote a few Bible scholars. First one, Barclay. The word which is used for moved with compassion, someone try to say that, is the strongest word for pity in the Greek language. It describes the compassion which moves a man to the deepest depths of his being. And then another commentator, I think, puts it even more acutely. Biblical compassion is not only sympathy with a person's need, but also a practical response which meets that need. 
Emotion results in caring and effective action. In this case, the action of sending out his disciples among the people. A really horrible deficiency in our compassion today is that we've become accustomed to feeling compassion all the time but not doing anything about it. And a lot of that is because of like marketing. Like uh, companies have kind of learned that one of the best ways to compel people to buy their product is to kind of make them feel empathy or sympathy or compassion about something. And so we're just constantly being, you know, you ever been watching TV and the, um, you know, in the arms of an angel comes on and I almost said touched by an angel, but that was a a show from the 90s. Um, You know, and there's like these sad looking pets that are, you know, these dogs that are just like, and they're telling you the, the most horrifying stories ever about these animals and trying to get you to donate money, right? You know, this, that kind of thing is all over. There's peop- people are um, trying to manipulate our emotions and get us to feel compassion all the time. And, and what that's resulted in is that it's become normal for us to feel compassion about something and then move on with our life and not do anything about it. But that's not biblical compassion. Biblical compassion is... I feel the compassion of the Lord, and then I do what he's telling me to do about it. And sometimes that might, we can't do everything all the time, you know, but sometimes that might literally just be to pray. But I want to tell you that doing at least that, doing at least praying as a result of feeling compassion is so much better than just feeling it and moving on with your life. Because what that normalizes is a church that feels bad for the lost, but never does anything about it. So we don't want to be like that. So we, so we, cultivate, we cultivate biblical compassion to be a part of the mission of Jesus. All right, let's get into what actually is that mission. And there are plenty of places we could go in the Bible to define it. You know, the Great Commission, of course, other ones. But we actually have a really good, I think, summary of the mission of Jesus, and therefore our mission, right here in this text. Let's take a look at that first verse again, 35. Jesus was going through all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every sickness. This is actually the second time that Matthew has summarized the ministry of Jesus in this way, and all the other gospel writers do it as well. And I think what they're getting at is like, hey, This is what the ministry of Jesus was in its essence. It was healing, teaching, and proclaiming. And so I think that's our mission. Let's break it down. First, the mission you've been given is to release the healing power of God to people in your everyday life. Again, not just the profession, not just Robbie Dawkins, not just Scott McNamara, not just the professional Christians, all of us, to release the healing power of God to people in your everyday life. Now, I suppose one caveat I ought to give is that we're not all like Jesus in the sense that we don't have any other responsibilities except to be an itinerant evangelist in the Middle East. And I think that how we need to think about applying this part of his ministry is not what would Jesus do, 
which that, you know, this can sound kind of heretical because what would Jesus do was like, you know, the big thing, WWJD, who's got a bracelet that says it, right? Yeah, so like, it's not I'm, not, I'm not saying that that's a bad principle. I'm not saying what would Jesus, but I think a better question than what would Jesus do is what would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he were me? What would Jesus do if he were a father like me? Because you know, Jesus didn't have any earthly children, and so what are we supposed to believe that, you know, well, when it comes to parenting, we're on our own, because you know, no, if Jesus, w- if Jesus were me, he would be the best father that the world's ever seen, right? And, and so on. So what would Jesus do if he were me? And, and how this will kind of work out is you'll be talking to a coworker, and they'll, they'll all of a sudden start opening up to you about horrible nightmares they've been having. And you'll have the opportunity there to either just be like, oh, man, that's terrible. All right, when's our lunch break? You know? <laughs> or... To be like, oh man, that's so terrible. Hey, this might sound kind of strange, but could I just pray for you that you would experience experience freedom from those nightmares? I believe Jesus wants to set you free from them. Releasing the healing power of Jesus in our everyday lives. You might come across a server with horrible migraines, and again, you can just be like, I'll give her a good tip because I feel bad, or I'll, you know, do nothing. Or you can ask if you can pray for her headaches to go away in Jesus' name. You might have a depressed family member who you just know really needs a word from God right now, and it might feel a little uncomfortable um, to do it, but if you do, it could really bring about healing to their mind and healing to their heart. And so releasing the healing power of God in our everyday life, it's supposed to look like that. It doesn't need to look like you spending you know, three hours a day going all around Cincinnati just trying to find people to heal. It's, it can be like as you live your life, when those opportunities present, present themselves, engage with them. Uh, and second thing I want to say about this that I've already kind of started to say is that I think healing here ought to be understood as not just physical healing, but also emotional healing and also deliverance. You know, Jesus, he healed people. He also cast demons out of people. Some would say that when Jesus physically touched the leper, that he, had, that he had physically healed, emotional healing was happening there because that man had probably not been touched by another human being in like two decades. So physical, emotional, and, 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 uh, and deliverance, um, healing in our everyday lives. And as you start to say yes to those opportunities, and as you start to say yes to the promptings of the Spirit, God's going to just, you know, whether you like it or not, God's going to start ramping things up. Like about a month ago, I think, I was at Kroger and I was checking out at the self-checkout. Introverts, who loves a self-checkout? Praise God, you know. <laughs> Praise God for the self-checkout. Um, I'm, I'm at the self-checkout and God's like, oh, you think you're going to be introverted today? Uh-huh. Nope. So as I'm there, I all of a sudden have this random... But and subtle, but also very noticeable pressure that kind of comes on my knee. It's like, it's, imagine like pressing on and then coming off, right? And I've learned to recognize that that is actually a way, as crazy as it sounds, that God will speak to me and tell me about somebody's like pain that he wants to minister to. And so I turn, the first person I see is the self-checkout um, sir, a clerk, and 
I don't, want, don't really feel like it and don't want to. It was not in the headspace to be engaging in evangelism, but I you know, asked her, hey, do you happen to have knee pain? This might sound super weird. Actually, the first thing I said to her was, hey, can I ask you a really strange question? And she said, sure. And I'm like, do you happen to have pain in your knee? And she's like, yeah, actually, I do. And then I'm excited. So I'm like, is it your left knee? She's like, no, it was my right knee. I'm like, all right, well, close enough, right? <laughs> so... Um, so I uh, ended up praying for her. She didn't have, uh, she, you know, she, the pain that she experienced was off and on. And so in that moment, she was feeling good, but she wasn't like necessarily convinced that she was totally healed. And so I moved on. But um, I tell that story because expect those kinds of things to happen. So as you start saying yes to kind of the opportunities that get like teed up for you, you know, the server saying, man, my head just really hurts. Like that's just kind of like a softball, right? But as you start to say yes to releasing the healing power of Jesus in your everyday life in those moments, God's going to start knowing that he can trust you to advance his kingdom and to destroy the works of the devil on, on a daily basis. And so he's going to be, um, he'll probably start speaking to you in ways where he does want you to go up to the person who you're not interacting with and, um, and, and release healing to them. And so... Expect that to happen as well. But if you haven't gotten started with this, don't start there. Start with the opportunities that naturally present themselves. Okay, so that's the healing part. The proclaiming part, I would sum it up in everyday words as sharing the good news with those who are far from God. So this is the second part of the mission that you've been given. So first thing, every single person in here ought to be releasing healing in their everyday lives to people around them. Secondly, share the good news with those who are far from God. Now, for some of you who are kind of more naturally wired as evangelists or extroverts, you kind of, like Wilson, you know, you kind of like to go out and do this for fun. You know, Wilson will text me like, hey man, you want to go um, down to North College Hill and get lunch and pray for people? And I can tell that it's not like a duty for him. It's not like a, this is part of my job. You know, it's like he was like pumped to do this, right? And uh, so if that's you, bless you. We need you. Um, for all the rest of us where that kind of sounds like, you know, a low-key version of hell. Um, <laughs> for the rest of us, um, <laughs> that's dramatic, of course. Uh, for the rest of us, like, what, what does it look like to share the good news with those who are far from God? Well, first off, as you are starting to release healing in your everyday life, and you're having those moments, whenever you interact with someone who actually has an encounter with God because of you, when someone actually does get healed, when you, when you share the prophetic word and the person breaks down in tears, when you when you pray for the nightmares to go away and the next day they come to you like, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe it, my nightmare's left, right? When you have that, when the person has that encounter, that is obviously a perfect time just to launch into, well, hey, can I tell you about something even better than what God just did in your life? God wants relationship with you, you know? So that's obviously a time to do it. Also, uh, with like friends and family, it can be tricky because if you push too hard with friends and family, you can kind of shut them down for a long time if they're not ready. But when your friends or family members indicate to you in some way that they are open or they want to receive from you, just 
um, having coffee with them and sharing is a great way to apply this, you know, this, uh, this principle of proclaiming. Uh, but also, we can't get out of it. Anyone the Spirit prompts you to proclaim to. Sometimes, as you grow in this, God will say, hey, go tell that person I love them. Hey, go tell that person that I see them and I want a relationship with them. And you'll have the choice whether to obey or not in those moments. But those are, those are ways that you can get engaged with this. And uh, this ought to be more than just a, like when we talk about proclaiming the gospel, it ought to be more than just a you can be saved message. That's certainly a part of it. You can be saved. That's certainly a part of it. But the gospel is actually a lot bigger than just salvation for individual people or bigger than forgiveness of sins for individual people. The gospel includes healing, actually. The gospel includes um, the resurrection from the dead after this life. The gospel includes justice and, and joy and um, the victory of Christ. Gospel includes not just that Jesus died for your sins, but that he died as you, that you actually died with him and he made you into a new creation, into a son and a daughter of God who is righteous, as righteous as God. I'm not ashamed to say that. We, the, the, the gospel message is that we are at our being level as righteous as God. So the gospel is so much bigger than just a you can be forgiven of your sins. And so think in, in, in part of your mission being to proclaim the gospel, think not just get people to say a prayer, but have, um, be able to talk about the beauty of the gospel when the situation arises. For example, I was hanging out with a couple of friends earlier this week, one of them very, very far from God, a um, really close friend of mine. And we start talking, and he uh, brings up the topic of astrophysics. And so I do my very best to pretend to know what I'm doing and talking about astrophysics. <laughs> and, you know, we're talking about, like, stuff like, you know, what's time, what's, act you know, what actually is time, and is there an eternal past? And, and so that leads to a conversation about nihilism or the, the belief that there's no meaning or purpose to anything, and so we're talking about that. And then we launch into um, talking about like just purpose in general and where do we derive purpose from. And then we launch into talking about how I personally see Christianity as um, being that place of purpose. And, and then we talk about the passage where Paul seemingly condones slavery in Colossians 3. And what I was able to share was that, and I don't have time to totally unpack this, but I was just able to share a perspective on that that really showed the, um, just the power of the message of Jesus. I mean, did you know that in the fifth century, a Christian thinker condemned slavery? And that is like 1,300 years before the world caught up and actually forbid the slave trade. So Christian truth allowed for that realization to come into the mind of a particular Christian as early as the year, you know, 500-something A.D. 
It's pretty crazy. So we had that conversation, and, and I never actually, I never like shared with him like, hey, did you know that your sins can be forgiven, and if you say this prayer, it'll happen? I, I, I didn't, I, we didn't get there. But proclaiming the gospel does not have to be that. I mean, that should be where everything is ultimately driving, of course. But sometimes in conversations with people, you can just talk about the beauty and the justice of the kingdom of God, and that in and of itself can be impactful to them. And so I'd encourage you, like, be... Um, be freshly discovering the beauty of the gospel through scripture, through just talking to Jesus on your own, through um, reading stuff other Christians have wrote about it. Like, be freshly discovering the beauty of the gospel. And, and as that stuff starts to come out of you in conversation with people, it can actually set the stage for that salvation moment in a way that just presenting that salvation uh, message wouldn't quite do. Okay, so that's proclaiming, and then lastly, teaching. And some of you might be thinking, well, I'm not a teacher. Well, you don't have to be, um, because another word for teaching here is discipling. And, when, and think when Jesus said in the Great Commission, you know, uh, go baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything that I commanded you. That is what we mean here by teaching, discipling. So, I'm out of time, but let's fly through some ways you can apply this. First, if you want to apply releasing healing in your everyday life, some first steps could be, one, take CSSM. You know, if you don't, and this is not like a shameless plug, I guess it kind of is, but um, <laughs> it's not, though, because if you feel totally ill-equipped and unqualified to even enter into a conversation with someone you don't know and pray for them, this will help you get there. And, it, and this is not a scare. We, we don't like throw you into the deep end in this class. Literally the first time you go out, you will go out for like 10 minutes. You will ask um, one person if you can pray for them. If they reject you, you'll ask one more and then you'll come back. Or if you, they say yes, you'll pray for them and you come back. It's so, such an easy first step and you, we build up from there. Um, also, to apply kind of the prayer point, whenever you find yourself around strangers, say a 15-second prayer to yourself for one of them, you know? Just, if you start getting in the habit of, like, when you're walking around at the bank or wherever, just, like, praying for the people you see, it will help foster the courage that you need to actually um, release healing to them when the opportunity arises. Joining the prayer team is a really great really great uh, move. So um, go, go online to find more how, about how to, how to do that. And then for some of you who all of that, you're doing it, or if you start doing it, your next steps would be once or twice per week, pray for healing and share a prophetic word with someone that God highlights to you. Um, for sharing the good news, your first steps, again, take CSSM. Uh, CSSM, for those first two, CSSM is a great equipping resource. Uh, invite a friend or family member who is far from God out for a meal and just be curious about their life. Like proclaiming the gospel does not have to be this salesman-y thing. You can, just, you can just get a meal with them, be curious about their life, you know, have conversation beyond just the surface level and see what opportunities that God arises for you. Uh, also, this is an easy one. Uh, if you buy five Chick-fil-A gift cards because no one's going to turn down a short conversation with you if you give them Chick-fil-A. So buy five Chick-fil-A gift cards, give them out to people you interact with as you feel led. 
And then, of course, uh, next steps could be share Jesus with someone who responds positively to you, praying for them. And then lastly, under making disciples, ask someone to disciple you. So if you want to learn how to do it, best way to learn how to do it is to have it done to you. Uh, you can also just ask someone you feel drawn toward if they want to read the Bible with you. Again, make it real simple. You don't got to say, can I be your disciple or Lord, you know, <laughs> overlord. Like, just say, like, hey, do you want to read the Bible together? <laughs> and see what naturally emerges. And, and you might feel like, man, I couldn't help anybody grow. Yes, you can. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Yes. You can help another Christian grow in their faith with God. And lastly, uh, disciple that person when you're ready. Uh, or sorry, disciple someone you've recently led to faith in Jesus. And so, of course, if you ever end up leading someone to Christ, they're a prime candidate to disciple. Go ahead and stand with me. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you all to engage with the mission of Jesus and then uh, go get your kids. Jesus... Thank you for partnering with us in your mission. We acknowledge, Lord, that sometimes it can be um, difficult. And I know that for some of you in the room, uh, we're going to go for two more minutes, guys. I just feel it. For some of you in the room, you really do just feel ill-equipped. You're like, I could never do that. And I feel like what Jesus is saying to you is, I'm not calling you to do the extreme thing tomorrow. I'm just saying, what is the next small thing that I'm calling you to do? do that. And as you keep saying yes to me in those small things, you're going to do incredible things. I think for some of you, busyness is the problem here. You just feel way too busy to even imagine engaging with the mission of Jesus. And unfortunately, I think the Lord has a stronger word for you. And I think the stronger word for you is there's nothing that really is more important than this. And you're not a victim to your schedule. Do what it takes to get less busy so you can engage in my mission. Um, and then thirdly, I think for some of you, you're like barely treading water right now because of a traumatic experience or a stressful experience or something going on in your life. And, and you know, without totally closing the door, I believe the Lord is telling you like, you can, you can mainly receive healing right now from my people. Um, you know, there might be a moment where I do call you to do one, one small outward thing, but you can receive healing right now. Um, and, and I, you know, the last thing I think the Lord wants is for you to uh, go completely underwater, you know, out of this feeling like you are a bad Christian unless you do this. And, and that leads into the last thing I'm sensing. I, I really believe that Jesus wants to remind you that Trying harder to do better because you feel guilty is a terrible plan. The Lord is not saying to you, if you've not been engaging with his mission as much as you ought to be, the Lord is not saying to you, well, you need to just try harder to do better. You are better because Jesus lives within you. And because Jesus lives within you and the Holy Spirit is within you, you can choose to do just the next thing he's calling you to do. It's not out of a striving place. It's out of an understanding of who you are as a daughter and a son. So, Lord, yeah. um, we receive what you're doing in us this morning. We love you. We praise you. We honor you.